You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thank you for tuning in to the show, however it is that you found it. I'm super glad that you did. I'm super glad that you're here and you care and you listen and you're praying. Particularly the latter point, it's your prayers that are the reason why anything good happens um, with whatever it is that uh, I'm doing. It's because of your prayer. I'm really, really convinced of that. And I'll talk a little bit about that in just a, just a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm in a super good mood uh, now, this whole week really. Um, everything before, like the last few shows have been kind of a downer. I mean, I wasn't necessarily in a bad mood, but, but there has been a lot of negativity I talked about and whatever. And while that stuff kind of still remains and you know it's all over doing other kinds of things it's uh, i've had kind of a different outlook different uh kind of an epiphany about different things prayer being one of them which is why this show is going to be focused a lot on that but um also just a lot of you well two of you in particular who i who i really trust and, and know uh and totally independently were like hey you need to not try to fight so many battles you need to get some rest you need to take it easy every once in a while and 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 worry about your health and stuff like that. And I thought about it, and I think it's a pretty good point. So uh, I took that into consideration. But primarily what, what changed was a, an outlook and a boldness and a, and a recognition of the seriousness and need for prayer. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, let's talk about some notes, including the Jordan Maxwell Show. A lot of you commented, talked about that. I saw some, some pretty encouraging stuff about that, which is which is cool because uh, when I when I first did that interview, I was in a pretty, I, I was pretty beat up by the end of that thing. I mean, I was just really didn't know what to think about it. So I was glad to see some encouraging comments about about that. I was actually going to make a video about that, but while I was making the video, I'd actually done the whole thing. I actually I, I put the the conversation or basically on the last show, like the what I said about the interview. And then the interview itself, and then I was actually piecing together clips from stuff Jordan Maxwell had said about the the uh, entities and stuff like that. And I got almost to the end where I was going to render it, and then I just felt real strongly. I was like, do you want to glorify yourself here, or do you want to see this guy saved? And I was like, hmm, well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good point there. Um, so I did this audio and said all this stuff to him that... I wanted to say about sort of his experiences and why it sounds like he's dealing with demons as opposed to anything good and and just sort of talked about a lot of the stuff that I found while doing the research about that and why I came to those conclusions and that I don't think he's bad but I think that he needs to have some discernment about what he's actually dealing with and all this sort of stuff and and mainly saying that if he's dealing with it still which um you know just based on what I know about sleep paralysis testimonies and stuff like that it's a very high possibility he's still dealing with direct contact from these things um that he needs to cry out in sincerity to jesus christ and that that uh you know it doesn't matter what he's done or whatever that that uh you know jesus will will stop the individual attacks and you know show you that he's the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end here that that he's the name above all names and uh and that uh you know that would be a great testimony as it is to so many other people with sleep paralysis to even if they're into just horrible horrible things 
usually when they're dealing with the, the tremendous evil that, that comes to, to them at night or, or whenever it does come to them, um, it's a pretty powerful testimony that all of a sudden this, this Jesus uh, has a power over this, this great evil that they've been dealing with. So I just wanted to mainly plant that seed that, you know, if he does have it again to to call on, on the Lord. And, uh, well, the email that I got back was less than less than favorable response, but he really didn't talk about any of that stuff, just sort of harped on the the name thing again. And so I sent another one and was like, did you listen to what I said? He's like, yeah, I listened to it. So I sent him another one and, and talked about even more in depth about some of the other issues and, and why, um, you know, some of the just stuff about more in-depth issues about why he's dealing with this and not what he thinks it is and et cetera, et cetera. And he sent back just the same, same kind of email that, that I was, you know, mainly just the name thing and that I was a poor excuse for a Christian and all this stuff or whatever. Anyway, so it didn't really, it wasn't really fruitful, but I do, do ask that you continue to pray for him, uh, that it could plant a seed and that, uh, we just pray for salvation. I mean, look, you got what, what, what about Jordan Maxwell becoming just a sold-out, born-again believer, renouncing all this stuff and, and going public with that stuff? Wouldn't that be a great uh, testimony to everything? And so why don't, why don't we just pray for him? Uh, what could it hurt? So, Okay, one more show note thing. I wanted to promote a new website from Guy Malone and Nicole Malone called NephilimHybrids.com. This is what the press release description says. It says it's a, a debunking of the modern Nephilim hybrid mythos. Just launched with more to come includes such topic, topics as what the Nephilim were, Nephilim before the flood, human giants after the flood, and the lack of return of the Nephilim in Bible prophecy. Also calls for Christians to stop teaching that modern Nephilim hybrids both exist and cannot be saved. So it should be pretty interesting. Um, Guy Malone with the Ancient of Days conferences and all the stuff that was done there was really instrumental in teaching a lot of us in this in this genre of um, radio or uh, whatever a, a good theology about the Nephilim. And you know, beforehand, for many years, a lot of people believed that what happened in Genesis six was just sort of allegory that it didn't really happened like it said it was just talking about you know the sons of seth or or something not not mischievous angels that uh, had sex with human women and created this this offspring but a lot of the work done by guy malone really promoted the good and sound biblical teaching about the nephilim now there is also a lot that is said that is not biblical about the nephilim and speculation that a lot of times you actually see promoted by the new age as well so there is there's a lot of misinformation to sift through to come to what we really can be sure of biblically about the Nephilim. And I would also submit that there is motivation, at least in one aspect of this, this idea that um, that Nephilim can't be saved. Is that the last part of that uh, called for people to stop teaching that modern Nephilim hybrids can't be saved and, and exist? Um, I know from listening to Russ Dizdar's um, um, teaching uh, series on this particular thing about um, about multiples and dissociative identity dis- dis- disorder, that one part of their programming, well, it's included in a large part of their cr- programming, which is based around getting them to to have presuppositions about the Bible. For instance, they'll do stuff like 
tell them certain Bible verses mean certain things and that uh, sort of twist it and turn it. And they will do programming called revulsion therapy where they can't look at a Bible or it makes them nauseous or things like that. Or, you know, when they're children, I think I discussed this in the Rent to the Truth movement where they, um, you know, will have kids and, and have these actors dress up like Satan and do nice things. And then they'll have uh, an actor dress up like Jesus and do really mean things and sort of bias them to, to never look to the Bible, to never look to Christianity as a, as a safeguard, because really the entire system is, is controlled and then demonically empowered. Uh, so, it, so it really relies on that. And it's a, it's just a hedging your bets, playing, playing it safe kind of thing. And part of this uh, as Russ brought out in those tapes, is that they will tell them that they are Nephilim uh, hybrids. And because of that, they're unable to be saved. So a lot of these people believe themselves unable to be saved because just on their on their bloodline. So it prevents them from ever considering that as a possibility. But that's pretty much all I wanted to say. Go check out that website. I'll put it in the show notes, NephilimHybrids.com. Nicole Malone has put a lot of that together. I know some articles from Guy and some more articles on the way, so check that site out. Okay, moving on to some other things. Well, let's just move on to the main reason for the show, and that is uh, prayer. I've got two clips that I want to play. One of them I put together myself and put together a lot of um, quotes and different things and put it to music and, and all this stuff, and I'll play that a little later. And one of them is another one that somebody else put together that's just as powerful, and I edited it a little bit and tweaked it. So I will leave you with that, and that'll be exciting, but... I just wanted to explain a little bit about the epiphany that I had in regards to prayer, etc. And, you know, I've had a lot of different prayer commitments as I've listened to different books like, you know, George Mueller and, and, and Hudson Taylor and all these great classics and stuff like that. And I'm sure most of you know what I'm talking about. You make this commitment like, okay, well, I'm going to start getting up every morning and I'm going to pray for such and such a time. And you do for a little bit and it kind of fizzles out and and... You know, kind of back to where you were. And I certainly pray more now than I have in the past by a large margin. But, uh, you know, I have been praying. The one thing I do consistently pray about is uh, conviction of sins. That whatever it is, if I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing and I don't know about it, that it would just be brought to my mind. And I think that part of that answer has has come in the answer of, a lack of prayer, prayerlessness, something that uh, we don't always think of that needs to be repented of. But especially in the position of somebody that is in the ministry that uh, and these kinds of things, well, it certainly is, is uh, just look at Paul's prayer life. He, every time somebody got saved, his prayer burden increased. I mean, we see him constantly thanking God and, and praying for the people that uh, had, you know, that were in the town that he knew that he saved, that he, or that he led to the Lord and all these things. So that's really been convicting. I've been thinking a lot about that. And because of that, be led to seek out different and, and better um, understanding about prayer. And one of the things that has really impacted me recently is a book called The Kneeling Christian. This is by an unknown author. It's uh, somewhat of a classic book. Um, I don't know why the author didn't put their name. I don't know much about the history of it. But I want to share that with you. There are lots of different ways that you can check it out. I'll put a PDF in the show notes if you want to like send it to yourself at work, you know, you can read it at work or I'll also put link to free audio 
this this audio that I'm going to link to is, is by a guy named uh, Peter John Parisis, I think. He he has like a ton of stuff on archive.org. If you've ever, he calls it the school of prayer, I think, but uh, he's just got audio upon audio. What he does is he just reads books. I guess he just reads them for the first time himself, and he just happens to record himself reading it. When I first started, I went through the entire George Mueller book with him, and at first I was like, oh man, this is going to be so hard, because he's not like the best reader in the world. But you get used to it. You get really used to it. And right now, I just I love to hear him to hear him read. And what what's better best about it is that like in the George Mueller thing, whenever whenever like something really impactful happens, you know, he kind of breaks up a little bit. You know, it's really it's really kind of an interesting thing. You kind of really go through the emotions with him and everything. So so I'll link his audio. All of his audios are free, and they are uh, you know copyright free and all that stuff. So that's really good. And so you can find audiobooks from for classic christian books that you w- wouldn't be able to find anywhere else even if you bought them like for instance um you can't find some of the stuff that he does anywhere for any price so if you're really really like audio he's a really good guy to to check out there on archive.org uh, so i'll link that and one of the things about it that i just really wanted to say is that uh, in this particular ministry and, and what I do, there are a lot of new believers and people that don't have anybody else praying for them that I might be the only person that, that's praying for these people. And how much do they need? I mean, they need to be, you know, prayed for, for, for discipleship stuff, to be protected from, from all kinds of false doctrine and everything. They just, lots of people need to be prayed for and not just the new Christians, and the, but, but for all the potential Christians right now, this this book, The Kneeling Christian, said something really impactful. It said, um, you know, went through all this stuff that there is not any way to be fruitful without prayer. And he said, if your ministry is fruitful and you're not praying as much as you should be, the reason it's fruitful is because somebody somewhere is praying for it. And I know that that's the case with this show. Its fruitfulness is, is completely because of people praying for it. People tell me all the time that they're praying for it, and I think that they are picking up my slack. And so I just want to really, really step it up. Because if if it can be this fruitful with 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 your prayer, what could it be? How many more could be saved? How much more can be done in the in the in the New Age truth movement? you know, mission field, if we begin to be diligent about it, if I begin to be diligent about prayer, how many more doors can be opened? How many more uh, people can can just be, you know, saved? So, so I'm really, really seriously pumped up about it. And the idea is, as you'll see in The Kneeling Christian and some of the quotes and stuff that I'm about to play, it, it's really encouraging to know that... Um, you know, sometimes people talk about the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, but there's also also these seven sayings of Christ about you know ask anything and and uh, it will be done for you. One of the stories in the Kneeling Christian is they they were saying they were in seminary and some guy busted into the door, a new new believer with his Bible in his hands, like, oh my gosh, have you guys read this? I mean, is this true? You know, he, he's really pumped up. He's never seen it before. He's like, he says, we if we ask anything in his name. Uh, you know, I'm believing and we'll, 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 he'll get what, you know, whatever we need. Is this true? And, uh, the, the guy 
said, well, of course it's true. And really, that's one of the reasons I like this book is because it's kind of written for the jaded Christian who's heard all this stuff before. And another reason I like it is that um, is that it's not like E.M. Bounds or, or what is it, Andrew Murray. A lot of those books, and I have I have those books and I've read uh, some of them. I've read E.M. Um, e. Bounds and, and read a lot of stuff, quotations and stuff from uh, Murray, is that is that it, it's not so dogmatic. Like you got to be on your knees and you got to be in this posture and you have to be doing, you know, four hours a day if you need any, if you want to see anything happen. And it's not so much like that. It's, it's really sort of coming at it from a matter of heart. Of course it, it says, you know, I mean, that's, that's what the fruit of this is. I mean, the matter of the heart, once it's done right, will, will end up being, um, you know, prolonged time periods from time to time, but it's not a matter of, how long the prayer is. And there's a quote that I'm about to play from Spurgeon that talks about the weight. Good prayer is measured by weight, not by length. Uh, certain groans have more prayer power in it, if you will, um, than than the most beautiful orations of great length. And so um, it's just been a really, really great thing. And so I want to encourage you out there too with what I'm about to pray, especially about those in our family or, or whatever that are unsaved. There is a lot of stuff uh, in here that's going to encourage you about that. One of the things that's not in there that I want to encourage you about is it's sort of briefly mentioned in one one quote by by um, uh, George Mueller about the the steadfastness in prayer, the continually asking in prayer. There, there's a few instances of this that, from the Bible that I think are important. One of them is if you remember the parable that Jesus told about. The, the woman who kept bugging the evil uh, judge about a matter. Um, the, the judge wouldn't hear her case or whatever, but she just kept bugging him. And it, it makes the point that this guy's, you know, and he's not a good dude, the judge. But he eventually re- relinquishes the idea. He's like, okay, whatever. Just to get her to stop bothering me, I'm going to answer her request. And the point of the parable was like, look, that guy was an evil guy. Um God is is not by any means evil, and and so how much more uh, by your continual petitions? Or like in Luke chapter eleven verse five, and it starts out and says, "And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for the friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not; the door is now shut; my children are with me in bed; I cannot rise and give thee." I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that shall knock, knock it shall be opened. And then he goes on to say, what if a son has any bread, and his father, if you, you know, all this stuff. But the issue is that that whole parable was framed in this idea that he just kept knocking. He's like, I know it's midnight. And the dude's like, hey, I'm not getting up, man. It's in the middle of the night. But the guy kept knocking. And he says, and because he kept knocking, he was his, his prayer was answered. Similarly, Daniel begins praying, confessing his, the sins of his people and his sins and, and petitioning the Lord. And the angel that shows up says, hey, you know, I was dispatched the very day that you started praying. Um, and I was tied up for a time uh, because of, you know, this the spiritual warfare issue. And it's the only time in the Bible we ever hear about this, this spiritual warfare hindering uh, the, this angel. I, I have the personal belief that it was hindered for the purpose of showing the need for the steadfastness in prayer. For instance, um, 
what if Daniel had quit? You know, he had been in in this situation uh, praying and fasting and no choice food and all the stuff that he describes for for a long period of time. And uh, what if he quit before the angel showed up? We wouldn't know basically the most important part of Bible prophecy in the Old Testament because he was steadfast in prayer and committed to it. We, we, we do know that, of course. I think it was all done for the purpose of showing us the, the importance of steadfastness in prayers or so much. And I think that that's particularly important in regards to our prayers for the unsaved in our lives. And um, the, the quotes and everything that I'm about to pray will, will be particularly helpful in that regard. So I want to leave you with this, and I'm going to also leave with leave you with some extended sort of music on the last part of this. But after it all ends, to for for you to make you know some prayers, eh, just silently if it, if if you're if you're somewhere where people are, or or maybe even out loud or whatever, so you can pray for for the unsaved in in your family, and just sort of make a new commitment to sort of turn to to repent from prayerlessness, as it's a it's such an important part of our lives as Christians and and it's really laying hold of God's willingness and and so let's let's play this and I'll see you next week bye bye prayer strikes the winning blow service is simply picking up the pieces sd gordon men may spurn our appeals and reject our message oppose our arguments despise our persons but they are helpless against our prayers sidlow baxter But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Matthew 6, verse 6. The prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hudson Taylor. No learning can make up for failure to pray. No earnestness, no diligence, no study, no gifts will supply its lack. E.M. Bounds. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. William Cowper. Prayer is the real work. Evangelism is just mopping up. Unknown. Again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Matthew 18, verse 19 through 20. Prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. John Bunyan. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, he mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Samuel Chadwick. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. 
Matthew 21, verse 21 through 22. I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Charles Spurgeon. One day, George Mueller began praying for five of his friends. After many months, one of them came to the Lord. Ten years later, two others were converted. It took 25 years for the fourth man to be saved. Mueller preserved in prayer until his death for the fifth friend. And throughout those 52 years, he never gave up hoping that he would accept Christ. His faith was rewarded, for soon after Mueller's funeral, the last one was saved. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. The battle of prayer is against two things in the earthlies, wandering thoughts and lack of intimacy with God's character as revealed in His Word. Neither can be cured at once, but they can be cured by discipline. Oswald Chambers A life growing in its purity and devotion will be a more prayerful life. E.M. Bounds And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15. As is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so is it the business of Christians to pray. Martin Luther. True prayer is measured by weight, not by length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length. Charles Spurgeon. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, verse 13. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Oswald Chambers. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Mark 11, verses 23 and 24. It is not enough to begin to pray, nor to pray rightly, nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray, but we must patiently, believingly, continue in prayer until we obtain the answer. George Mueller. Each time before you intercede, be quiet first and worship God in His glory. Think of what He can do and how He delights to hear the prayers of His redeemed people. Think of your place and your privilege in Christ and expect great things. Andrew Murray Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Intercession is truly a universal work for the Christian. No place is closed to intercessory prayer. No continent, no nation, no organization, no city, no office. There is no power on earth that can keep intercession out. Richard Halverson If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Eighteen-year-old Hudson Taylor wandered into his father's library and read a gospel tract. He couldn't shake off its message. Finally, falling to his knees, he accepted Christ as his Savior. Later, his mother, who had been away, returned home. When Hudson told her the good news, she said, I already know. Ten days ago, the very date on which you tell me you read the tract, I spent an entire afternoon in prayer for you until the Lord assured me that my wayward son had been brought into the fold. 
our daily bread, July 19, 1989. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. James 4, verse 2.
Somebody cared for me. I thought about it as Roger gave us those wonderful things and thought principles of compassion. Somebody cared for me. I read about where Paul had tears when he left those elders at Ephesus. He talks about his tears. They don't necessarily have to be those kind that roll down your cheeks, literally. There's other kind of tears. Some of us know a lot about them, too. And they drop down here where nobody can see them, but they're dropping all the time. Never forget the second time I ever went to a Sunday school. I shook his hand. And as I held that hard, rough carpenter's hand, I looked in his face and there was tears rolling down his cheeks. And I thought, there's nothing emotional about shaking hands. And I never understood those tears till I started to read this book. Can I read it? Mark chapter 1 verse 41 about him being moved with compassion. The passage I read, Behold your friends, tell them how great things the Lord has done for me and had compassion on me. In Mark chapter 6 verse 2, Mark chapter 8, and all the see when I see the life of our Lord. And today I didn't understand those tears. But today I believe I do and I believe I'm safe in saying to you, he walked in such a relationship to Jesus Christ that he had a little measure of the compassion of Christ for me. Somebody cared for me. First time I ever met his wife, the third thing I put on that summary sheet, what is the true witness? The first time I ever met his wife, she said, I didn't know who this Ernie Leasinger was, but she said, I hope he'd soon move or get converted. I said, Miss Albright, that deserves a little explanation. And she explained it. And this is what she said. Many nights before he would eat his warm meal, he'd go back to the bedroom. And she said, outside that bedroom door, she said, I'd hear him crying out to God for somebody called Ernie Vistas. Ah, oh, somebody prayed for me. I don't know the relationship between a sovereign God and the cry of his people. I don't know it. Neither do you. But I know there's a relationship because I see those examples in the Old Testament. Men of God prayed. In the New Testament they prayed. Our Lord prayed. Paul requested prayer. In church history we've seen the Queen feared Noxus. Prayers more than armies. I don't understand it, but it's true. And the people are making any marks on the ice for Christ today, preachers or churches. There's somebody in there praying. He prayed for me. Oh, God. I don't care about reputation. I don't care what men think. I want you to be honored. I want, I want these young people to be saved. I want those that are saved to stop looking around them at a cultural Christianity that you hate and will spew out of your mouth and that they will look at the Word of God and say, I will follow Jesus. 
Oh God, I pray for youth ministers and pastors and I pray that You'd fill them with a spirit of wisdom and love and boldness and discernment. And dear God, whatever the cost, I pray that You would raise up missionaries. I can't help but look at these kids and think of my own little boy. Oh God, that You would save Ian and that You would raise him up and send him into the worst part of the battle. Oh dear God, raise up missionaries here. Raise up missionaries. Raise up preachers and pastors and reachers and evangelists that know the Word of God. Oh God, work in this place. Please work in this place, dear God. Please. Please.